Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and today we're going to take up a very controversial issue on predestination and talk about the foundation for it. Does God know your problems ahead? Does God have the answers for them ahead? This is exactly what predestination is. Join me today for a fascinating study from the Word of God. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Glad to have you here today. I'm going to be teaching a one-timer today, but the reason why I'm doing this, I usually include this in a series, and I've got a book out on it, and it's called uh, Theology Simplified. That's what we're offering on this, and this is one of the chapters in it. I often teach these together, but on this one, this one's become so pronounced today that we have such a, we've had such a switch in basic just theology that people have seen and understood from church, and that is there is such a strong teaching today on the sovereignty of God, and that is, you know, that God basically does everything we do nothing. The opposite extreme of that is God is not sovereign. All man has to do everything. There's a balance in between on every single thing, whether it's excess on one side, excess on the other. Uh, you can lose your salvation or you can't lose your salvation. There is a thing in the middle where you stand there and understand the truth of the fact that when you're born again, you don't lose your salvation, but you can lose your joy. You can lose your rewards. A lot of things you can't. And again, that understanding of what stands in the middle, the difference between basically relationship with God and fellowship with God, like with your children. You have a relationship with them because they were born, but you have fellowship with them because there is this camaraderie that's always that should always be there. So that's what we look at when we look at God. But on this particular issue, it comes back to the situation of understanding predestination. And predestination seems to have got so overthrown by the sovereignty of God that people simply see it today as God chooses who's going to get saved. God chooses who is not going to get saved. This has been around for a long time, goes back into some denominational teaching, but it really comes back to this. It almost comes to this and will come to it eventually in your own life. There's no reason to witness. I don't know if this guy's supposed to go to heaven or not, and I don't know if this one's supposed to go to heaven or not. I even heard a minister say one time he will not evangelize his children because he's not sure they're predestined to go to heaven or ordained by God to go to heaven. There is a truth in the middle of this thing. There is a beautiful truth to predestination. We're going to take a look at it today. What it is, is the, the, the thing that is, is there's, that comes back to the basics of it. Here's the basic misunderstanding that comes to the bottom of it. No one really knows why God chooses you and why God chooses someone else not to get saved. And so it's almost come back to a flip of the coin. But you see, we that's bring it down into man's relationship. A man always goes, no, you cannot understand God. His ways are so far beyond our ways. There has to be a reason that God would choose you and not choose me, choose your child, not choose my child to go to heaven. Here's the other point too. If they're chosen already to go to heaven, that means that who's going to literally have to witness to? If nobody witnesses them, somehow God's going to have to show himself to them so they can accept him. And again, even then it's God making them accept him. Again, it gets back to a confusing issue. The whole point comes back to this. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all all should come to repentance. And this is what the word of God teaches us. And so we want to understand that just like John 3, 16, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's up to us, basically as Christians, to go evangelize the world, tell everybody about it, but it's not up to us to make them receive it. 
nor is it up to God to make them receive it. It's up to us to convince them from the word of God about what Jesus Christ has done for us. This is evangelism. This is why he left us here. This is why he gave us the Holy Spirit. So we can go witness to the nations by the power of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural ability of God, but we can't make them. I mean, I think of before the ruler of uh, that that uh, Paul stood before the ruler there of Rome. And he said to him, you almost, almost persuaded me to become a Christian. That's the purpose of the gospel. We are to persuade people, to convince them. And again, we can't make them receive Jesus, nor can God make them receive Jesus. It comes down to this, I'm to present the gospel. God gives me every supernatural means to help. The evangelism, uh, again, by the Holy Spirit, where he said, I've given you the Holy Spirit and he will help you to witness and he will make you witness and he'll be your witness guide. All the different things he does, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in witnessing, all of these things are to help convince a person of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's take a look to start with why there's nothing in us God could choose for. I mean, if you stand me next to somebody else and both of us are sinners, and we look at the word of God, there's absolutely nothing in us that would even make God choose you over me. Again, Romans chapter three in verses 10 through 18, this is a quote from Psalm 14 verses one through four. And here Paul reflects back on the fact that this was already written in the word of God. Romans chapter three in verse 10 says this, as it is written, again, Psalm 14 verses one through four, there is none Righteous. If you want to underline some key words there and you have a Bible, you can mark and do that. There is none righteous. This is how God looks at the earth after the fall of Adam. There's not one righteous person in the earth. This is why Jesus had to come as our substitute. He became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Again, let's look at that verse. There is none righteous. No, not one. Double emphasis. There is none who understands. There is none who seek after God. They have all turned aside. I'm emphasizing all these alls and nuns. They have together, all together become unprofitable. There is no one that does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways and they know, know not the way of peace. There is no fear or reverence of God before their eyes. We stop there going, my Lord, that's the condition of mankind. Yes, every person. I mean, black, white, brown, oriental, white, you name it, male, female, educated, uneducated, born in a nice area, not born in a nice area. This is how God sees everyone. The moment they're born in this earth, because of the moment they're born in this earth, they're born under Adam's curse. Even David said, in sin and iniquity, did my mother conceived me. It doesn't mean she had an illicit affair. It simply means he was born under Adam's curse and came into this earth under Adam's curse, as do all people, because what Adam did passed on to all men. What this verse is saying from here is all the evil in us from our natural birth gives no reason for God to sovereignly elect anyone to eternal life. After looking at this list, what's God going to do with him? I see a tiny speck of good in you that I don't see in you. There has to be some reason God would choose me and not choose you. And this verse says there's nothing in anybody that would make him want to choose us. 
All the evil in us from our first birth, natural birth, gives no reason for God to sovereignly elect anyone to eternal life. We're all born in Adam. We're all fallen. We're all spiritually dead. And we're all spiritually children of Satan. What in the world could God look at a child of Satan and say, I see a speck of good in you? There's nothing in us. Even Jesus said to those religious leaders of his day, he said to all of them, he said, you are of your father, the devil. Now, listen, he wasn't just talking to religious people, although he was at that time, it means everybody. If they are a child of the devil because they were born into this earth and not because their religious background, then we are the same thing. So God doesn't even see the smallest, most electable thing in us to choose us. There's no reason to choose us. God looks at all of us and says in here, we're like putrefying sores. We are stench in God's nostrils. We're like opening up a grave where dead bodies have been. All these things have been. God's simply saying, there's nothing in you for me to choose you for. So it comes back to this. God doesn't see the smallest, tiniest electable thing in us to choose us for that reason. So God loved us. And you know why? Because he chose to love us. One day in all this stench and misery, he looked at the earth and said, I love you. Don't understand this. He chose to love. There wasn't a thing in us to love. It was his decision. Nothing on my part. I had nothing in me to love. He chose from his heart. He chose from his will to love me. If he loved some of us because we were something worth loving, only then could some be chosen. Only one thing is in us, one common denominator for God to use for predestination and election, and that is knowledge of our will. God knew there would come a day when I would be presented with the gospel and I would receive. God knew on the day when Paul ministered to Agrippa and Agrippa said, you've almost persuaded me to become a Christian. God saw that in advance. So therefore, salvation was provided for me, provided for him, but I received it and Agrippa didn't. Now, I don't know if Agrippa received the Lord before he went, before he died. I don't know. But it comes back to this, God has chosen to plan salvation and even our entire life afterwards based on something we all have, either faith toward the work of Jesus or faith against the work of Jesus, to use our will to say, Jesus, I receive you, or Jesus, I reject you. If God chose to love us, then he could love us all. Guess what? He did and he does. He did choose to love all of us and he does love all of us. So it comes down to this. I am going to be born again, not by my choice, first of all, but by God's first choice to love me and offer me eternal life despite the foul condition I am in. Listen, if anyone in this earth had one speck of good that could bring eternal life, why did Jesus have to come and die? It's because there's none righteous, no, not one, no that does good. And again, in this verse of scripture, I think I think we covered every base, at least the Holy Spirit did. The prevailing view of predestination teaches that God does respect persons, that there's something in you that's respectable over me. The tiniest thing, although I can't see it, you can't see it, somehow God perceives through all that and sees the tiniest speck in you and says, I think John, I'm going to give him eternal life, but I'm not going to give Bob eternal life. Why? Because I see that speck in him. And if there's a speck in him, then God just contradicted all his word. We said there's none righteous, no one that does anything, no one that has a respectable heart, and everyone is like poisonous asps. They bite and they kill. 
So God does not base his choice for us for salvation by sovereignty, but by foreknowledge. There is the key. God's action in future end time events are based, first of all, on his foreknowledge, not his sovereignty. Why am I saying this? Because if you want to understand salvation, look in the word of God and, and understand what God is saying about end time events. The Bible says that there's, a, there's going to be an antichrist born out there. Did God make antichrist? The answer is no. Did God know antichrist was coming? Yes. And did God write in the word of God? God, what his plan was for it. Apply that to salvation. Does God make you a sinner? No, Adam made us a sinner. But does God know what's going to happen in our life? Does God know when we're presented the gospel, we're going to receive it or not? The answer is yes. So if God knows ahead of time we're going to receive it, then he plans on all these things for me, not based on his knowledge at that time, but based on the fact that I would receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. So, both attributes of God, foreknowledge and predestination, work together, and we're going to find it in this passage. Again, my book is being offered to you, and where this where this one thing among seven others is brought out, and you can help. It'll help you to understand the simplicity of predestination, the simplicity of God looking at us through His foreknowledge and designing a plan for us. We'll see you right after halftime. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and it's my favorite class. I think the students' favorite class is there. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. When I used to pastor at the church, I would even tell, I'd say, housewives, you that are listening out there today in the congregation, this is designed for you too. The Word of God is not difficult. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find out you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, Visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Many years ago, I wrote the book called God's Word to Pastors, and now I have updated it. Many new things I have seen from the Word of God applied into this book, and you're going to be greatly blessed by it. I'm called to be a pastor. I trust you are too, and you will want to get this book and become greatly impressed by what Paul had to say to pastors in Acts chapter 20, as well as what Jesus Christ has to say to you today. This is my book, God's Word to Pastors. To order your copy, visit our website at bobbyandian.com. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. We're going to come right back to this simple point again. God does not make a person get saved. God doesn't pick people to get saved and people not to get saved. No, it simply comes back to the two we're going to be covering, the two points we're going to be covering in this verse of Scripture is predestination and election. Both are very closely tied together, but they're closely tied together by one word. That's God's foreknowledge. It simply comes back to this, okay? 
At five years old, I received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Did God know that was going to happen? Yes. God didn't turn to Jesus and say, oh my gosh, Bob just received, what are we gonna do? Let's throw a plan together. No, God knew this before the foundation of the world, before the first star was created, angels were created or anything. God in his infinite foreknowledge knew he was going to have a plan of salvation. At five years old, Bobby was going to be in vacation Bible school. The pastor's wife would kneel with him at the front altar and Bobby would receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. I knew exactly what I was doing, but God, God didn't suddenly throw a plan together. No, Bob entered into a plan that God had planned before the foundation of the world. It's not because God made me accept him. It's because that God knew on a day back there in those years ago, when Bobby was presented with the gospel, Bobby would accept. And so therefore, knowing that Bobby would accept based on God's foreknowledge that I would receive Jesus, he had a plan prepared for me before the foundation of the world. God doesn't make a person accept Jesus and God doesn't make a person not accept Jesus, but he knows who's going to accept Jesus and who is not going to accept Jesus. Look at Romans chapter eight. This is so simply laid out in this verse of scripture, both predestination and election are tied together. Let me just quickly give the difference between the two. What is the definition of election? Election is God at the point of your salvation choosing you. Why does he choose you? Because you chose him and he knew you would choose him. So God chose you. And then after that, he predestined you and predestination, listen, salvation, the moment I received Jesus, election takes place. And then from that point on for the entire rest of eternity, God has pre-designed a plan for my life. He not only the moment I received Jesus as Lord and Savior says, now I choose you because you chose me. Next of all, he says, now I've got a plan for you. From this point on, for every day of your life, I've got a plan. On the days you miss it, you can come back to it. If you somehow miss plan A, I've got plan B. If you miss plan B, I've got C. And if you run out of alphabet letters, I can go back to double A. I've got more answers for you than you have problems in your life. And he not only planned out every day of my life, but he's planned all the way into eternity future for me. It's all brought out in this two verses of scripture. Romans 8, verse 29 and 30, whom he foreknew, there it is, underline it, whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Not only did he plan for me to get born again, he's got a plan for me to look like Jesus every day of my life, to have the mind of Christ, the actions of Christ, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God wants me to grow up in maturity and has a plan for it, that he might, Jesus, be the firstborn among many brothers, and that includes sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. Moreover, whom he predestined, them he also called, here's the Greek word for election. He not only has a plan for my life, he called me the moment I got born again and said, here's everything I've got planned for you. Though them he also called, whom he called or elected, those he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Wow, what a tremendous verse. Let's break this verse down. He's simply saying, the moment you received me as Savior, you walked into a plan that was pre-designed for you before the foundation of the world. How was it pre-designed? I knew you were going to accept me, just like I know about prophecy, worldwide events is coming. In other words, I look out there and see a problem, I present an answer. Long before the problem exists, I have an answer for it. I knew you would be born again. I knew there was coming a day you'd receive me, and I already planned it from before the foundation of the earth to choose you on that day because you chose me, to choose you before all the angels, announce your name before all the angels and heaven have a party. 
the moment you accepted Jesus. But then also after that, I have a plan for every day of your life into eternity. Let me tell you about that plan. The first plan is that you would grow up to be just like Jesus Christ himself in this life, not in heaven, in this life. And that's called becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus, not only born again, but having the mind of Christ, thinking the word of God, that in me, what controls me is the word of God, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren whom he predestined, then he called, listen to this, and whom he called, he also justified. The moment I got born again, my sins were forgiven. I became justified before God, just as just as Jesus is. In fact, his justification became my justification. Then he goes on to say, and those he justified, he also glorified. Let me tell you what, all these things are past tense. Notice this, he predestined me, then he called me, he justified me, then he also glorified me. And let me tell you what, I haven't been glorified yet. And yet it's past tense. This verse sees it as a done deal. God already sees me glorified. You know what that means? God can look forward billions of years from now and see Bob and my wife Loretta before him in front of the throne in glorified bodies, resurrection bodies, no more fat bodies. No more hairless bodies. I mean, we'll look great and we'll look like we did in our prime. I won't get into that, but that's part of your resurrection body. But he sees me now in front of him. You know what that simply means? Think about this. I'm in the midst of a problem right now. I need to look at it as God sees it. God knew I would face this problem before the foundation of the world, just like he knew I would face salvation before the foundation of the world. And he knew what my choice would be. God has planned a plan for my life where every day I had choices and each one of those choices can bring me toward God or away from God. But if I choose the one to get away from God, I, at that point right there, I'm no longer in fellowship with God, but I can confess the sin, come back to God. Again, God has more plans than I have problems to keep me on track. And so as I'm following the Lord, then I'm justified as I grow in the things of God. But then one day he said, you're going to be glorified. But he already sees it as a done deal. Before the foundation of the world, he saw my salvation as a done deal. He saw my justification as a done deal. And he saw my glorification as a done deal. Why am I saying this? Because right now, even though I'm going through a problem, God can look billions of years from now and see me in heaven. You know what that means? If God can see me in heaven in a resurrection body, then hmm, apparently I'm going to come through this problem. This financial thing will not cause me to go under. And hmm, I must also going to come through the next problem. And apparently I'm going to go through the next problem and the next problem because God already guarantees me in this verse of scripture, I've got a glorified body and I will be with him forever, forever, forever. God didn't make a temporary plan for my life. He made an eternal plan for my life. And you know what? He made an eternal plan for your life. The moment you got saved, the first thing was God shouted it out. His election toward you, toward the angels, I've chosen him. You know why I chose him? Because today he chose me. Today she chose me as Lord and Savior. And because she chose me, now she's a child of God. And listen, I got a plan for her to grow in the things of God every day, become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. But next of all, to live a justified life before me. And I already see her in a resurrection body billions of years from now, which means follow me, hon. I'm gonna lead you through every problem of your life and you're gonna come out successful on the other side. Notice what 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 says. Turn there real quick. And here we also have the word elect brought up, just like we had it back here in Romans chapter 8. We have it here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. And here it says in 1 Peter 1 to elect. 
This is the word for God choosing us. Again, there's election and then there's predestination. Election is God announcing me as his son or his daughter. And the next thing is, is predestination is a design plan from God for the rest of my life and into eternity. And it starts out here with the very first thing when we get born again. First Peter 1, 2, elect according to the, there it is, foreknowledge of God. God didn't just suddenly elect me and say, huh, you look good, Bob. I think I'll just choose you. No, he chose me for a reason because I chose him. I'm elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Notice this, I get born again and what keeps me in line is not the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus, it's the sprinkling of the blood of the Lord Jesus. The shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus is what got me saved. The lamb's blood was shed first of all, but then there was the sprinkling of the blood over the door. I'm simply here to tell you what keeps me walking with God every day is not getting born again every day, the shedding of blood, it's the sprinkling of blood. And when Whenever I confess my sins, it's like taking that blood and sprinkling it over the doorpost and understand it took a lot of blood to get me saved. It just takes a drop to bring me back into fellowship with him each and every day. I am a child of God. Love that song. I am a child of God, not will be. I am a child of God. And there was a day when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I entered into everlasting life. It comes down to this. I did not choose God because he chose me, God chose me because I would choose him. He knew my choice ahead of time, even before the beginning of all creation. Look with me at John chapter six. Here it's amplified. Those who will receive Jesus, those that will not receive Jesus, that God doesn't make them accept. God doesn't make them reject. Nobody knows who will accept him and who will reject him. John chapter six, look with me at verse 64 and 65. It says, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning, the beginning went before the foundation of the world. Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. How is it granted to a person by the father to receive Jesus? It's because he knows when presented with the choice, who's gonna say yes, who's gonna say no, who will believe, who will not believe. And it simply comes down to this again. I didn't choose God because he chose me. God chose me because when presented with the gospel, I would choose him. He knew that ahead of time and is living a design plan for the rest of my life. So God has no plan for those who reject him. He has no plan for those he knows will reject him. He knows who will accept him, who won't. But God only has a plan for those who accept him. God only grants eternal life to those who will come to a Jesus. His decision to bless you is based on your decision to accept him. I'm gonna say that again. His decision to bless you is based on your decision to accept him. John 21 and verse seven, Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. In closing, let me say this. My wife loves to have meals, invite people over. I'm sure maybe some of you women are, are again, you, those of you are prone to, you know, for, for blessing people, okay? You've been given hospitality. But here's the point. If you if you invite, have people come over to house, how many of you know, how do you know exactly how many people are gonna come and how do you know exactly who's gonna come? Those four little letters you put the 
bottom of your card, RSVP, the only French I know, respondez s'il vous plaît. It simply means tell me if you're coming or not. So if we get a letter back from them or a note back from them and says on there, Bill and, you know, Bill and Ruth are gonna come, then we know they're going to come. So we make a place for them. But if a person is not going to come, they let us know they're not going to come. And listen to this, when they say they're not gonna come, they are saying in essence, listen, I know you have plans for me, but I can't come, I've got plans, I'm on my own. How does Jesus know who's gonna come to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Because of his infinite foreknowledge, he knows who's gonna say yes, and who's gonna say no. Does he make plans for those that aren't gonna come? No, he makes plans for those who do come because those who make those who are not gonna be there at the marriage supper of the Lamb have made their own plans and their own plans is I'll fall back on my own righteousness. I don't need Jesus. We'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.